So if A equals B and B equals C, let's say that word C is God's children. So if God made us in his image and his greatest attribute is generosity, does that not mean that that is very much the greatest attribute that he creates in his children? Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in several different passages. I don't have a particular uh, uh, flagship text this morning. I'm going to be in several different things. But I was praying after Pastor Mike called me. They called me on Thursday, and I, I didn't plan to speak today. And I thought, okay, God, well, praise the Lord, I, I will, uh, you know, uh, do what we do, and, and you give me something, and I'll put it on paper, and we'll do that. And, and over the last few weeks, before my wife and I took a week off, we, uh, we uh, were talking about the peas in God's garden. And today, I, I was really, I, was, I wasn't planning on going this direction, I was going to go do this next week, but I really felt God wanted me to do this. So I, w- I want to talk to you today about partnering with God, fulfilling God's plan. Now, it, it's in your notes, so I don't want anybody startled. Today's P is partnering with God. And what I'm going to talk about is partnering with God in our finances, through our finances. And I want you to look at me. There are people that actually leave churches because the preacher talks about finances. Well, folks, in this church, you just have to get used to it. Why? Because Jesus talked about finances more than any other subject in the Bible. He talked about finances more than any other subject in the Bible. You say, well, pastor, what do you talk about second most? Hell. You think if Jesus talked about those two subjects pretty high and heavily, you think the church should talk about them? Why doesn't the church? Can I tell you frankly? Because the church is afraid of you. The pulpit is afraid of the people. Well, if I preach on finances, they're going to leave. I've had people over the years tell me, if you talk about finances, Pastor, I'm going to leave. Now, folks, I don't want to offend anybody. Please, let me preempt this. But you know what I told the person? Bye. Folks, and I, I please, I'm not trying to be offensive. I have to preach what this book says. 
I preach on hell at least once a year in a series. Do you know why? I think if Jesus thought it was enough to preach about it a lot, I better talk about it at least a little. So I'm going to talk about finances today. But I I was looking at this because I already knew people are going to be nervous. Oh, man, he's going to take a big offering at the end. And and I, man, I've got this plan and I want to do this. And I want to, I'm not taking an offering. Did you hear that sigh of relief? Unless the Lord tells me to. Thank you, Carol. I like that. Woo. I might be hearing the Lord talking right now. <laughs> now, I, granted, I, I understand why some people get upset at this subject. Because there are churches, pastors, that manipulate things. Okay? They, they will throw guilt out there. I mean, how many... No, if I, you know, you've been someplace or heard somebody say, oh, you know what? If you just give up your lattes for a year, you could feed, feed 8,200 kids. And then they hold up some picture to break your heart. Now, folks, there are real things. I mean, we had the picture of Busia up here. The, the situation with, with Sister Emily. Folks, that's real stuff. I mean, she is a widower, a widow now. Her husband was killed in a freak accident. He's out fishing or working on the river and gets struck by lightning. But what Pastor Philemon just told you, she would be history. She would just go by the wayside. A woman with three kids, everybody's not looking for. Not even here in America. But especially there. And so when you have a body that says, God, we give because of that. So this morning I was working on this and I was thinking, okay, God, what do you want to do in that? So I, I sat down and I, what I want to do is this in your notes. I want to help us understand what happens when we give. Many in this congregation already give to support VLCC. And I'll just be very bold with you. Many don't. Many tithe, but many don't. And I I know all the theological reasons. Well, that was the Old Testament. You've listened to bad teaching. I can show you hundreds of scriptures in the New Testament that says this every bit today. Some people, though, they want to know what happens next. So many of you don't need motivation, just explanation. What happens when we give? And that's what I want to do today is I want to share with you some things that happen. Then when we're done, I'm not going to receive an offering. Okay? So here we go. And you know, it's very simply. When you give, first and foremost, you're fulfilling part of God's plan for your life. Now, these scriptures are not in your notes, so write them down. In Matthew chapter 6, the Bible doesn't say if you give. Do you know any time Jesus talks about giving, he never says if you give. He always says when you give. You see, the Word of God expects God's people to give. Jesus expects God's people In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Paul is coming to the church. 
And he begins chapter 16 with these words. He says, regarding the collection of the saints. Paul the apostle in God's word expects a collection to be taken every week. Matter of fact, he says on the first day of the week. Well, you know, pastor, you know, I don't, I don't have that much. Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 tells us, give what you have. See, too many of us, we give according to what we don't have. Well, I don't have a new car. I don't have a new house. I don't have a new boat. I don't have a new fill in the blank. See, I, I was just up on the reservation uh, last weekend. That's why we weren't here this past Sunday. Pastor Philemon, how many think Pastor Philemon did a great job? Yeah. Okay, that's enough. Okay, just kidding. <laughs> Pastor Philemon always does an awesome job, but he was here speaking because my wife and I were up on the reservation and we were doing a, a camp meeting and you saw some of the pictures on, on Facebook if you follow Facebook, but we were up there and, and one of the things that God laid on my heart to talk to the folks on the reservation is just like us here. People think that it's a poor thing. Folks, it's a people thing. Money is a people thing. It's not a rich thing. It's not a poor thing. It's a people thing. Why? Because the enemy makes sure that we look at finances in a wrong way. And I share with the people, I say, guys, understand. Gals, understand. God is not really that interested in what you don't have. He wants to know what you're doing with what you do have. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. Well, God cares if I don't have this, that, and the other thing. You know, when you read through the Bible, there's only two things that God says that you need to be concerned about. Food and clothing. He don't want you running around naked. And he wants your belly to have food in it. The psalmist said it this way, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor my seed begging for bread. So God says, give what you do have in 1 Corinthians 8. In chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians, not first. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, give what you have. Chapter 9 says, but don't do it sparingly. Now, I was a good student in school. I really was. And in your notes, you, you see a little bit of my history. I actually quit school in 10th grade. Not because I had to. I, I quit right at semester, pretty much. If I, would have quit, if I would have kept going to school, I would have graduated semester of my junior year. I was, I was an A and B student, except when it comes to English. Some of the English people out here, they say, oh, we can relate to that. I, I was a good student. I, I would graduate. I just got bored, and I just quit school. I quit school at uh, semester, of my, or a little bit before semester, my 10th grade. But I did. And you know what my favorite subject was? Math. I'm really good. My wife will ask me questions about, well, what, what, is, what is this, 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 this? And I'll answer it for her. I don't have to pull up the calculator. I don't have to do things. Now, that's not everything. The older I get, the harder it is. You didn't have to agree with me, did you? <laughs> but, you know, I, I was really good in math. And, and I actually was really, really, really good until about seventh grade when they started putting letters in math. Anybody relate to that? 
What the heck does letters have to do with math? Math is about numbers. We got a school superintendent over here. He's saying, yeah, yeah, I had the same problem with the kids today. Yeah. So, you know, but, but I, was, I, was, I was really good until they started adding letters. Math was my favorite subject. I was really good at it. But one formula that I do remember in all my years of taking this, this funny word called algebra, one formula that stuck with me was this formula, and I left you notes. If A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. At least I think that's the way it goes. But did you know that God is like that formula? I'm going to take you into my math class just for a moment. Don't worry. It's not going to be like that all day. Just for a moment. A equals that we were created in God's image. Genesis chapter 1 says, let us make man in our image. And then it goes on to have dominion, to rule over all the earth, everything. God didn't make animals more important than you. He did not make agriculture more important than you, the trees more important than you. He made you more important than everything. Now, God's image is a theological concept Literally meaning everyone on earth was etched deep inside to be like God. No, we're not God. But to be like God, just like, just like a baby. I was looking at the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, Abude's kids. What's Abude? Benio's, Benio's kids. Daughter. Not kids. You only got one right now, don't you? I was looking at Bude and Delandria's daughter this morning, and, and she was down there doing all this stuff. And I told Delandria, I said, I, I've seen you on Facebook saying, ah, she's getting into everything. That's what happens. They start growing. But you know what? When you look into that child's eyes, you see mom and dad. Sometimes you see dad more than mom. Sometimes you see mom. Can I tell you what? When you look in a child of God's eyes, if somebody is living for God, you see their father's eyes. You see God looking right back at you. God's image reflects in each and every one of us. So if A means we were created in God's image, let's go to the letter B. And B means or equals that God is generous. One of the greatest attributes of God is God's generosity. You say, well, pastor... What is the, if there's one verse that jumps that out, my goodness, do we even ask? For God so loved the world that he gave. Folks, if we don't look at God as a generous God, we can't see God as anything. So if A equals B, and B equals C, let's say that word C is God's children. So if God made us in his image and his greatest attribute is generosity, does that not mean that that is very much the greatest attribute that he creates in his children? You see, when we give, we become part of fulfilling God's plan. So let me just break it down. If A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. What does that mean? It it means that if we're made in God's image and God is generous, there's something deep inside of us that knows it's right to give. 
always, in every way, every day. Now, folks, don't get me wrong. There are times that we don't always feel generous. I'll make a say amen. But can I tell you something? You were hardwired to be generous. There's something inside of you that wants to do something. And when you do something, you want to do more. Am I speaking about me only or is that everybody in this room? So the first thing I want us to understand, what happens when we give? When we give, we are beginning to fulfill God's plan. That part of God in us that we were created to do. Second thing, quickly, when we give, we're bringing great joy to the Father. You know, the Bible says in Luke chapter 12 that it's God's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. See, Scripture declares or describes God in the image of a father. And not just any father, but a perfect, loving father. Now, whether you in this earth had a good father or a bad father, we all know in our heart of hearts what a father is supposed to be. If you have raised children, and whether you were a good father or a bad father, you knew in your heart of hearts what a father is supposed to be. Look what it says in 1 John chapter 3. The great love that God has won. Look at the word that he used. Lavished on us. See, there's something about giving. When we give, what happens? We're fulfilling part of God's plan for our life. But the second thing is we're bringing great joy to the Father when we're doing what He created us to do. Listen to me. God, the perfect heavenly Father, loves His children. Is that true? Imagine, just for a second, how much you love your kids. I was just talking about Abud and Delandria's daughter. Imagine how much they love that baby. We've got our granddaughter with us. Uh, Marissa is up here. Yeah. I know she looks awful old to be the granddaughter of such young people. But we are choking up there, aren't we? <laughs> Pastor Ray, give him how I'm like, would you? Think about how much they love their kids. Imagine. But can I help you to imagine the unimaginable? How much God loves us? He uses the word lavishes his love upon us. Now imagine what's even greater. When God's children begin to give like he said to give. When you and I give in the way that God, I can just imagine God's just up there, that's my kid, that's my son, that's my daughter. How does it make you feel when you got your son, your daughter, and and they're playing with somebody that maybe doesn't have something or doesn't uh, necessarily have all the things that they, and all of a sudden your son comes to you and said, Dad, can I I give Johnny my, my toy? 
Mom, can I, can I give Sally my toy? What's that do? Now, I know some of you sit back and say, well, I don't know. If, how about if we give them this other one? It's not quite as expensive. But what's that do? There's something inside of you that, that kind of wells up and says, man, that's my son. That's, that's my daughter. The joy you feel when they give, how much more does God feel when we give? The first thing is we're fulfilling part of God's plan for our lives. The second thing was bringing great joy to God. Well, the third thing is when we give, we position ourselves to receive. In Luke chapter 6, the Bible says, give and it shall be given. Now, remember I was talking about that math, A plus A equals B and B equals uh, or C, so that means A equals C. I got to remember this algebra in my head as I was writing it down. I'm thinking, okay, let me get this thing correct. God's math is a little different than ours. Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, commending their generosity and their partnership with him. And he even identified to everyone else. He said, you need to become like the Philippian church. You need to emulate these guys. And then throughout the scriptures there in Philippians and there in, in 2 Corinthians where he's that he's talking about the church of Philippi in chapter 8. He begins to say that this is the church you need to emulate. This is the understanding that generosity and provision go hand in hand. Let me give the scripture to you. Philippians chapter 4. Just one of multitudes. God will meet your need according to his riches. How many think that's a pretty big statement? How many, how many out there would think God is pretty rich? So when you're banking on the bank of God, it's a whole lot better than the bank of America. God's pretty generous too. He said, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. Folks, when I shovel up to God, God said, no problem. I'm going to start shoveling back. And how many think God's got a bigger shovel? See, we might not be able to fully understand or explain it, but there's something supernatural that happens when our giving comes into alignment with God's heart. Why? Because in God's kingdom, one plus one plus God does not always equal two. It can also equal two million. Equal equal two thousand. That Luke 6 chapter says, given it shall be given. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. And running over. Shall I cause it to be given back to you? God's math is a little cool, isn't it? What happens when you give? What happens when you give? Romans chapter 8. God said, I'll show you the picture of giving. I didn't spare my own son. But I gave him up for you all. He said, how much more should we all graciously give and should he give us graciously all things? See, God's blessings, ladies and gentlemen, 
I'm talking about finances right now, but they're not limited to finances. When you give $100 in giving, you don't always get $100 in return. You might get a house being built in Lucia. You might get several hundred natives reached on the reservation. You might get a neighbor down the street coming knocking on your door with tears in their eyes saying, thank you. It may not be monetarily. It may be a handshake. It may be a slap on the back. You see, we have this wrong perspective of finances and life and living. But if I know anything about God, I do know this, that you can't give without getting in return. God said, I'll be a debtor to nobody. And God said, when you give, I will and give. And just because those blessings don't come back in a financial way doesn't mean they're not important. Your life is dramatically affected. The next thing that I want to look at, what happens when you give? As we begin to develop a new perception of what life and living is really all about. Am I making sense this morning? When I became a Christian, I was always a generous person. I I love blessing people. I love surprising people. I love giving things to people. And when I got saved, man, it just got worse. It's like God augmented this thing and God just built it up even more. It's like my whole perception on giving and receiving changed. And I realized it wasn't about what I got. It's about what I gave. And then I was looking through Scripture and I realized... 1 John 4 says, it's because he first loved me. He first gave to me. And when I realized it wasn't about me, it was about him, my whole perception of life and living began to change. I couldn't give enough away. I couldn't do enough. Probably... In your notes, the best way to describe someone whose perception has broadened, enlarged, or possibly even enlightened is when they go on a mission trip. I took my wife, uh, very, I think it was the very first mission trip, we went to Africa. She was like a kid in a candy store. And she couldn't hug kids enough. She couldn't love people enough. She couldn't spend time enough. There, there's, there's no way that your life is not drastically changed. Your perception completely changed when you do a mission trip. Now, let me give you a perspective. If I can jump back into the finances for a minute. It costs thousands of dollars. Miss Lenore went with us on a mission trip. I don't know, about $5,000 out of her pocket. She went to Africa with us one time. You know what I never heard her say after that? Man, I wish I would have spent that 5000 somewhere else. Man, I wish I would have done this. Can I tell you something? Anybody that does a missions trip, they never regret. Their whole perception changes. They realize that life is a lot more than just their little world. Can I tell you something? When you give... 
you change the perception of people all around the world. That little girl in Busia, her life will never be the same. People I don't even know. Oh, she knows Pastor Philemon. Pastor Barraza was out of his church. I've preached for Pastor Barraza. I think, it, was he pastoring when I was preaching there? Pastor Douglas and all the folks in Busia and, and around the area there, Rasinga, that's out in, where Pastor's from. Pastor Philemon's from, that area back there. This little girl, a church 10,000 miles away. She will never look at money the same. She will never look at her life the same. She, her whole perception has been changed. Because of you. Because of you. Oh, I know Pastor Philemon, you know, thank Pastor Jewel, Pastor Jewel and Pastor Tim. Folks, we couldn't do squat. Oh, we could give a few hundred or maybe a few thousand. But we couldn't do squat without you. You know why my wife and I were on the reservation last weekend? You know why we're going to be on the reservation again here in, in about three weeks? Because of you. We're going to change the perception of hundreds, possible thousands, because we give. What happens when you give? I'm trying to outline it a little bit. You never hear the story of somebody saying, I wish I hadn't raised all that money to go over there. No, no, you never hear that. Why? Because they know it's the right thing to do. There's something in us that says, I, I need to do this. But there's also something in you said, no, you don't. See, that's the enemy. Oh, you got this to do. You, that's called a temptation. That's all it's called. God says, you need to do what I created you to do. And the enemy says, do it some other time. You always got tomorrow. But don't get me wrong, folks. Please. New clothes, new car, nice dinner. These are all great and they're wonderful things that, yes, we should all want to do. But deep down, how many have ever had what's called buyer's remorse after you bought something? I've never once had giver's remorse. I have never once had my heart tell me, you shouldn't have done that. Well, I've had the devil tell me that. Am I making sense this morning, church? You see, when we give or serve with our money, with our time, with our life, we somehow know we're doing something so critically important. Why? Matthew 6, 21 outlines it. For where our treasure is, that's where our heart will be. When our treasure is in God, what can our heart do but follow? Now, like I've already said, and it's on the screen, Scripture teaches that money isn't solely a financial issue. It is primarily a spiritual issue. Our money and our hearts are connected. Where we send our money, where we spend our money, says something about what we truly value. And when we give, it's a statement of what 
is the most important. Can somebody say amen? As I begin to wrap this up this morning, what I've shared so far is not cutting-edge truth. If you're a giver, if you're somebody that loves God and you already tithe and you already give and you already do because you know where the money goes, this, this is not rocket science. You already know it. Why? Because you spend money. You do what you do. But if you ever log in to my bank account, my wife in my bank account, you will see that a large portion of what we get goes right back into the ministry. Quiet. There's nothing more important. There's nothing more important than doing the work of God. We've all heard the adage, talk is cheap. And we all know what follows it up. Put your money where your mouth is. The reality, folks, is talk is cheap. We can always tell what's important, not by hearing what's important, but by observing where somebody spends their money, where somebody spends their time, where somebody spends fill in the blank. You see, money is the heart issue when it comes to our checking account issue. When we give, what happens? We make an intentional statement that something matters. Can I tell you Victoria's life? We have done many, many missions, trips in this church. And I really want to take it to the next level. I really would love to put together missions teams to go right here to, our, to the reservation around us. You don't have to go to Mexico. You don't have to go to Africa. You don't have to go to India. Most people think, well, missions, that's, that's somewhere around the world. Folks, it's our backyard. We want to develop teams that will go right out. But to develop those teams, we have to have leaders of those teams. Folks, we got no lack of places to go. We have no lack of connections. When we give, we're making an intentional statement that something matters. And this thing or that person or God's mission through this church, that is something that matters. Can you say amen? It's where my heart is. You see, ladies and gentlemen, eternity matters. And when we give, we are shifting our entire perspective to something more important than the person sitting in your chair. Can you say amen? Lastly, when we give, ultimately, we're revealing the partnership we have with God. I know I I hear it right now in some of your voices. Are you sure you're not going to take an offering, Pastor? Nope, I'm not going to take an offering. But 2 Corinthians, we talked about it earlier. You know what God says about givers? They're cheerful. I want to make a profound statement. I've had people tell me over the years, well, Pastor, I'll just stop giving. Okay. See how that works for you. Folks, oh, yeah, you say, well, that's going to hurt the church. Yeah, it will. 
to a degree, but God builds this church, not us. Okay? God meets our needs, not us. And so I, I tell him, I said, that's fine. Let me know how that works out. I've had people say, well, pastor, I stopped giving and, and nothing's changed. Let me tell you something. I, I'm a farmer. I was raised on a farm. And do you know if you plant a crop and you take care of that crop, it'll give you a bushel basket full. I mean, it'll just give you a harvest. And you know what? If you don't touch that field next year, it'll still give you a harvest. If you don't touch it the next year, it'll still give you a harvest. It'll just keep going down. And that's the same thing that happens when we stop giving. Whether it's finances, physically, mentally, emotionally, serving in the church. Well, I just come to church. I don't come to church to serve. You miss a great blessing. You get to partner with God. Oh, it may not change today. It may not change tomorrow, but it does. It just starts dwindling away. Why? Because that partnership begins to diminish. Let me make a profound statement. God doesn't need your money. Now, I don't want to be offensive, please. But if God wanted your money, he'd just take it. (laughs) Folks, let, let me share something with you. He could choose to if he wanted to. And he doesn't need your permission. It's all his. Okay, okay. He knows the hair on your head. I think he might know the password to your bank account. I just I don't want anybody nervous out there. But folks, it's not it's not a matter that God needs our money. Folks, let, let me let me continue on here. Not only does God not need our money in particular, he doesn't need us in general. I'm not trying to be trite. Or insulting. But God doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. He don't need the Pope. And he doesn't even need Billy Graham. To accomplish his purposes here on this earth. God is not sitting in heaven saying, man, I wish I could just get Victoria's life to do something. I wish I could get somebody just to do something down there. No. God's actively not depending upon our involvement. He can do whatever, whenever, however he wants. How many can say amen? Amen. So even though that God doesn't need us, look at this. He does invite us. He invites every one of us to join him. And because he's God, even though he doesn't need us, he really does want us. And I wanted to put in your notes, we don't invite God into our lives. He invites us into his. What happens when we give? We get to partner with God. (laughs) Folks, I don't know if you know how cool that is. God doesn't need us, yet he invites us to participate in his plan and be part of his purposes to fulfill and share in his glory. I don't know if you get how cool that is. That's pretty cool. Yes. When we give, we partner with God in Busia. 
in Red Valley, in Loop, right here in our own backyard in Flagstaff, the food pantry, kill up school over here. You know, can I tell you one of the greatest degradations of our society is they say, well, we got the lottery is to help the kids in the schools. Oh, that's a crock. Can I say that, folks? These teachers, we got one of the people that run some of the schools right here in our church. Do you know the teachers take a lot of this stuff out of their own pocket because the school system gives them 50 bucks to take care of 30 kids? Folks, look at this. We put this out last week. This should be this high. We get the privilege you know what happens when these kids go to school and they don't have money to get their own stuff, but all of a sudden, uh, you know, Mr. Hute over here or Miss Tina over there or, or one of the school teachers, Miss Wendy, with hands out and they look at this and say, I don't have any money, teacher. I said, okay, somebody else gave it to you. Somebody else partnered with you. And you know what? Father God is sitting up there saying, those are my kids. Those are my kids. What, do you, what happens when you give at this church? You get to partner. You get to be a part of something bigger all around you. You get to be a part of more than what's here and now when we give. We're a part of what God is doing everywhere. You may not ever be able to go to Africa, but we just spent thousands of dollars in Africa that you're going to reap the reward for because you chose to partner. What happens when you give? Folks, I don't think I've done a very good job of telling you, but I hope I've scratched the surface a little bit. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. I'm not going to take up an offering. I'm not going to challenge you to do something. I trust that you've already been thinking about it. I trust that through the course of today, you're going to say, God, I want to become a better partner. I want to do more. I want to be more. And for those of you that have given anything in this church, to this church, for His glory, for His purpose, thanks. Thanks. I encourage you to come up here and pick up these little flyers today and look at the stuff that that Killips Elementary School needs. Now, folks, I know there's other schools, but this is the school that we represent. Come pick up these flyers. And, and maybe you can't go buy everything, but you can buy something. Maybe you can't do everything, but you can do something. It's like that little boy that was walking down the beach in Mexico and 
And a guy watched him. You know, he's, he's bending down. He, does, he can't see what's happening, this, this elderly gentleman. And all of a sudden, he gets closer to the, to the kid. And he sees the kids bending down and picking up a starfish. There's thousands of them on the beach. And he's throwing it on the ocean. The older man got close to him and said, son, what are you doing? He said, I'm throwing these starfish back so they don't die. He said, son, why are you doing that? You can't possibly make a difference. There's thousands of them. And with that, the little boy reached down, picked up another starfish and threw it out. And he said, made a difference to that one. (laughs) What happens when you give? You're making a man. Thank you when you give to the food pantry. We have baskets out there. Just when you go to the store, buy a couple extra cans of corn, a couple other cans of green beans. They're asking for a small size. Don't bring the big size because the families come in there. They have 50, 60, 80 families every single week come to Bill and Barb Packard's building right out here in our parking lot. And they give them a couple bags of groceries every week and the people we, we can't pay you anything don't worry about it somebody else took care of it you know what I say thanks because we are a part of that when you give in clothes every winter we give clothes we give sleeping bags we give hundreds and hundreds of sleeping bags away every winter And you're part of that. The finances you give, the effort you make, are a part of partnering with God, bringing joy to the Father, positioning yourself for God's blessing, changing your entire perspective on life because you realize life is more than just you. We're going to go to F, guys. I usually do this song for leaders and for people that serve behind the scenes in the ministry and lead people and stuff. But I want to do this today for you. I want to share a dream that a man had one time. It's a true dream. It's a true story. And you've heard the story. But I want this to be about you. Dream that went to heaven and you were there with me you walked upon the streets of gold beside the crystal sea we heard the angels singing someone called your name we turned and saw this young man He was smiling as he came. And he said, Sarah McCabe, you don't know me now. But then he said, but wait. 
Leila Brooks, he said, you used to teach my Sunday school when I was only eight. Annie Layton Goddard, you say a prayer every time the class would start. And you know what happened, Scott? One day, you said a prayer, and that boy asked Jesus into his heart. And all of heaven today wants to say these words. Thank you for giving to the Lord. These are all lives that have been changed. Glad you came. And David, another man, he stood before you. And he said, Catherine, you guys remember the time? A missionary came to the church. Oh, and he showed lots of pictures. And they all made you cry. And Carol, you didn't have much money. But what you had, you gave anyway. Now, you know what happened there, Paula? Jesus took the gift you gave. And that's why he's here today. Can y'all join with us today? Thank you for giving to the Lord. These are all lives that have. One by one they came, far as the eye could see. You know what, Tina? Those lives were touched by your generosity. Every Sunday, you and Bob work desperately to make these announcements. Every week, you go into those classrooms to touch those kids. And you know what you're doing? You're making a difference around the world. Did you know that, Kelly? You're making a difference around the world. Come on, somebody stick with us today, everyone. Thank you for giving to the Lord. Victorious life. There are lives that I know up in heaven we're not supposed to cry but you know Jenny Britt I think we'll probably see a tear dropping down from her eyes Mindy 
Jesus will take your hand and you'll stand before the Lord. And for all the names I didn't mention, he'll say, my child, look around you. Great is your reward. To the Haramils, the Bombays, the Rhodes, the Collins, the Sorios, the Millers. The summers. By God's grace, the masters. All of heaven will rejoice as one by one people come up and say thanks. This is what you'll hear in heaven. Thank you for giving to the Lord these are all lives that have been changed and then the angels will join in together they'll say thank you for giving to the Lord we are so glad would you stand with us this morning church one together. Thank you for giving to the Lord. We are that were changed. We want to thank you for giving. happens when you give? Today I just scratched the surface. But lives around the world are being changed. Can somebody say amen? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise, would you today? Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.